All right. Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. Uh, it says, And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So uh, this is going to give way to the uh, to chapter 9. We're going to try to get through chapter 9 today. Um, and if, we're going to try to get this to work here. This is, Glenn, this is not working. So you're going to have to advance me one. Still no. There we go. So um, you're going to have to do this the whole way, apparently. There's no, I have the wrong one. That's why. I think we need to. You want to run back and grab the other one that's back there? Yes, that's definitely true. So for now, if you want to just sit, we're looking at a period of transition here uh, between the first uh, setting of four uh, different, uh, the first four trumpets uh, and the last couple. And we have an eagle. What is an eagle? That is it. What's an eagle? What's that? Swiftness, okay. What else is an eagle noted for being? Okay, it's a, he's a bird of prey, isn't he? So, um, and we're still not doing anything over here. There we go. Keep going. You're going to be busy. Um, and we have a distinction between two segments of trumpets, don't we? We have, and we've kind of seen a grouping of four. We had the four horsemen, right? And then, then we moved on to a different segment. Uh, and so we're going to do that uh, as well here. He, he kind of notes, uh, and maybe this is, has to do with a, like a time break of some sort or, or something to that effect, but we're going to, to see a distinction in, in this woe. There's, there's going to be some incredible suffering. If you want to advance that, I don't know if we're going to see if this one wants to work or not. I don't know. I doubt it. Oh, it's, they're working. Is this, is the flash drive in it off to the side? Well, that will be a problem. <laughs> so I'll try one, and then if not, we'll try the other. So let's get into Revelation chapter 9. And we're going to read, and you're going to notice that these two trumpets have a lot more detail than what we've been dealing with. So I'm not sure that we're going to get through these uh, today. Uh, but they are incredibly interesting. If you've wondered that whether or not some of the, the interpretations uh, and things, if, if we've, you know, like, ah, I don't know if we're on the right track. I think after today, we'll kind of, we'll kind of see that that is, uh, it, it, it's pretty clear. Uh, this is, to me, this is incredibly interesting. Well, is that working? There we go. Is that me? That was you? Okay, well, you're just going to have to keep doing it if the other flash drive doesn't work. 
All right, 9 of 1 through 12. He says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. Uh, to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and a smoke arose out of the pit like a smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and, there, and the air was darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power. And as the scorpions of the earth have power, and they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And as they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months, their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death, not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locust was like a horse prepared for battle, and on their heads were crowns, something like gold, and their faces were faces of men. And they had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like teeth, uh, and they, uh, or they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle, and they had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men for five months, and they had a king over them, uh, over the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek it is Apollyon. One woe is past, two more to come after these things. So uh, flip through a couple here. All right, so fifth trumpet, and we're going to have to keep going here. Um, so we have some identifying elements. We're going to split these up into several groups. We're just going to identify, as I say, this is a long section. There's a lot of detail. So we're going to look first at just identifying who these groups are. Then we're going to look at their conquest. Uh, and so we're going to look at those details a little bit separately. Glenn, if you want to. Uh, flip ahead one. We have a fallen star. What's a fallen star? We talked about stars before. What is star? What are stars? What's that? What's that? Okay, some sort of authority, some sort of prominent person of somewhere. He's fallen. Now sometimes that means they die, but as we in this passage, he's going to do stuff so he's not dead. So, so uh, if you want to uh, uh, flip one more, he's probably going to be humbled in some way, right? Brought down, he's fallen. He's still going to be doing something important, uh, but but he's going to have he's going to have been person in the first one. We have a bottomless pit. Now, other than Referencing your teenager's appetite, right? Uh, what is a bottomless pit? What do, you, what do you think of when you think of a bottomless pit? Okay, something that can't be filled. And, and in this picture, we see what? We don't see something going into it. We see something coming out of it, right? So, so what are we talking about? What, just a guess. What's that? Again. We're not throwing stuff into it. We're, we're getting stuff out of it. Some some sort of, uh, do you want to flip one here? Uh, we have some sort of plague, some sort of massive amount of something that's not pleasant. These are woes that are coming upon the earth. Next. Uh, so, so it seems like maybe people, right? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to look at some of these pictures. Next one here. 
this is self-explanatory. He doesn't even make this one difficult for us. We're going to have horses and we're going to have chariots. So, so let's go to the next one. We have their attire. What's interesting about their attire? Anything? Like, yeah, that's kind of weird, right? Bugs and armor, uh, scorpions and locusts and, and wearing armor. Uh, that, that is a little bit odd. Uh, go to the next one. We have golden crowns, right? So, so these bugs have golden crowns, and uh, that's interesting. Go to the next one, and they have a breastplate. And you notice it, it identifies them as having a breastplate. In other words, it doesn't seem to indicate much other armor, right? We're used in the Bible to, to talking about Roman armor and, and a lot of armor, right? All these different pieces of armor. But this one just notices their breastplate. And the last, go to the next picture. We have to talk about their appearance. Click the next one. They have what? Women's hair. What is that? Pretty hard. What are we looking for? Long hair. Okay. So uh, next one. Men's faces. What's a man's face? Beard. Yep. So, so, so we're looking for, there's a lot of details here, aren't there? If, if, if we're on the right track, it should be pretty easy to find these things. So click. Uh, so we're going to look for the fulfillment of these things. Now, again, these are just some of the pictures. I know you're like, what about this picture? And what about this picture? And there's this. We're going to get there. Right? We're going to try to get as many of those in as we can. So let's look at the fallen star um, is likely Muhammad. Let me give you a little background to him uh, as we talk about this guy. There's a, a, a tribe in uh, Mecca. They were called the Kurash. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but they don't care. Um, and in the four and five hundreds, they came to power in this city. Uh, and the way they did that is Muhammad's like seven generations grandfather uh, led a group of people that captured this, what is believed to be a meteorite. It's a black stone. And that was it had fallen in Mecca who know, like some hundred years before Christ. And they worshipped this thing in their pagan rituals. Um, they built a big box around it, right? and, and people would come from all over uh, Saudi Arabia to look at this thing. Well, his family got control, and so they rise to prominence. Um, and his wife was pregnant. He went on a, on a, you know, always having to put down battles and put down people and insurrection uh, in that part of the world. And he dies during this, and his wife is uh, is. I think she just had Muhammad. Um, so Abdullah, his father, had a lot of brothers. His, uh, Abdullah's father had a lot of wives, a lot of brothers. And so when you, when you are uh, basically an orphan, you're, the amount of inheritance that you get significantly lower. So all of the brothers for this position of prominence and it's not he didn't get exiled he had a brother somewhere one of the one of his uncles took care of him but he grew up poor uh fallen as it were 
and it becomes uh, when he's 25 he becomes i mean he's just a, a poor merchant that's what you did if you didn't have money you were just a poor merchant and uh and so he's a merchant he ends up marrying a woman uh who he had been serving for uh at 25 uh and it's in uh in this point you want to um, go to the next one we've kind of talked about arabia right um and then to the next one uh we're going to talk about this 630 and uh, 632 is kind of an important date but we're going to actually see a date that's important before then uh which is the year 612 uh horses in arabia all horses come from arabia right they are known as long before the american indian they are known as the people of the horse almost all of your horses derive from Arabia somewhere, from the Arabian horse. Uh, so they were interesting. They will go on a conquest in which they have no soldiers. A massive amount of horse. They are known for being horse warriors. Uh, they will also be known for chariots. Um, they will be the last people that are known for chariots. So we're, we're definitely in the right area, aren't we? Uh, but in 612, he has a vision, and this vision is kind of a mixture because of, he lived in Mecca. It was a metropolitan center, and there's this mixture of Jew, Jewish, and there's a mixture of Catholic or Catholic missions, various things like that, and, and, and he's got his pagan background, and he's mixing up a lot of stuff, and he's also epileptic. He has various things, and so he gets some crazy visions um, and he starts preaching them they're not that um, well accepted in mecca his uh, competition for, for for primacy the the local people see this as an opportunity to get rid of his family so they say you're going to have to get rid of him if you don't stop him because this is violating our pagan religion. So they kick him out, and he goes to Medina. So he starts preaching in 612. He, he runs to Medina in 622, but there he gets a lot of people that are popular that think he's, he's just the greatest thing. And in 632, he comes back with people. This time, he's a little bit smarter. Uh, one, he forces them to convert. Right. That, that, does that sound familiar at all? Right. Uh, and he also starts to incorporate their religion. Right. And so this black rock called the Kaaba, which has been worshipped as a part of pagan rituals, he adopts it into Islam. He's got a vision. And it becomes, and it is still to this day, one of the things that if you're a good Muslim, you take a pilgrimage to Mecca at some point in your life to see the Kaaba, right? If you look at a picture of it is always surrounded by people, right? So, so it makes it easier for them to accept this. And he, he then dies. He dies in 632, having established this this thing, this major thing in Arabia, his 
after he dies, there's a um, kind of a competition between his, he had no male heir. So his brother and his father-in-law kind of vie for power. And out of that, we will get Shiites and Sunni, right? And I don't ask me which one is which. I think his, the followers of his brother are Sunni, but I can't remember that. So it's not really that important for our, our class. And they lead a conquest starting from 632 up into this empire up north and west, uh, going towards Turkey and over to Iraq and Iran and over into Egypt, right? They, they start expanding. Next one, I want to look at the tire. This is one of those guys. This is from their time. I notice the war changed. And then some of it, sometimes they would have a, a ribbed, uh, like metal um, pieces over it, kind of to prevent from different types of. But they exclusively used chain mail. They, they wanted to keep themselves free. This is one of the things that they saw as a weakness in Roman militaries. They said, you're too cumbersome. And because they were on horses, they were much more maneuverable if they only covered the important parts of their body, which was right their torso. So they only wore breastplates. And, and they also wore a helmet. They had a pointy helmet, and that was to prevent evil birds uh, from coming down and eating their brains. It was a superstition that they had. So they would wear pointy helmets uh, and they would wrap. If you can see those, uh, see those pictures, um, they, they had a, a, a turban. Um, they might wear it down. It was for the desert. Uh, and in war, they would take their long hair and they would roll it up around this helmet. And they would kind of put like a, like a jewel or something in there, which was basically a, a fancy pin to keep it up, right? And so they had these bright yellow turbans with bronze helmets and it looked like a crown, all right? And their appearance, as you can see, they had long hair and they wore beards and mustaches or whatever. Right? Every picture we've identified, every picture points to this, but we're going to get still more interesting yet if you wanna to click to the next slide. We want to look at their conquest. One more. Anybody know what Apollyon and Abaddon mean? They mean the same thing. One is in Hebrew, one is in Greek. The word means destruction. That's what it means. There, there was no uh, Muhammad or none of the other people that will come after him had the name Apollyon or Abaddon, but it's referencing their conquest, I believe, not, not a, even a single person. We have this control over these hordes. And there's going to be a massive destruction with some interesting um, identifiers. Identif After he dies, there's a rise of a group, if you want to click to the next one, called the Caliphate. They are still around. And this is basically the rulers. There's the idea. There's obviously fewer they've kind of gone through their own Protestant sort of revolution where there's different groups of things, but, but there's an idea within Islam that there is supposed to be one ruler that whoever that person is, all Muslims are supposed to live to them. Basically a, a, a Pope sort of like for Muslims. 
and that is called the, the caliphate. And they, they go down and they are the ones that control, and it's typically whoever the political ruler is, is also the religious ruler. So, so there's this conquest, but it's, in, it's religious, but it's also military. Uh, right now, there's a kind of a problem because for the majority of the time, it's been the ruler of Saudi Arabia. We have a problem. The current king of Saudi Arabia has dementia. Um, and his son, who is the one that's mostly in line, is kind of a thug, right? He's the guy that took care of the guy at the embassy, right? That guy. So, so there's kind of this, are we going to let him be the caliph? So, so that kind of gives some context to this. And not really, quite frankly, historically, that's not really line because of what we're going to see happen over the next hundred years, this conquest. So go to the next one here. We have some scorpion. Where does locust and scorpion point us to? Desert, right? So we're again, all of these pictures point us to the right place. Uh, what do locusts, what are locusts known for? Just stripping, right? That's the plagues of Egypt. Um, and they just, every once in a while, they, they blow, there's this one wind that blows, and if it blows, you're going to get a, a horde of locusts that strip everything. And what is the scorpion for? A sting. It's venomous, but they don't kill you. It can kill a small baby. That's about it. Right? So it's going to be a woe. It's going to be a great period of suffering, but there's going to be something about it that is not lethal. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, in, in here, I want to, uh, let's see, go scroll to the next one. Uh, next. Uh, I want to read something uh, here. Uh, this is from, uh, I've been reading from Gibbon here every once in a while, and I'm going to see if we can get a interesting, just a, just a short paragraph here. It says, the clemency of the prophet, and this is talking about his original, so this is still Muhammad before we were conquesting outside of Arabia. But he says, the clemency of the prophet was decided by his interest, yet he seldom trampled on a defeated enemy. He seems to promise that if you paid him a tribute, the least guilty of his unbelieving subjects might be allowed to worship, or at least in their own imperfect faith. So in the first months of his reign, he practiced the lesson of holy warfare and displayed a white banner in front of the gates of Medina and so on and so forth. Anyway, the idea was that when he, when he went into a place and he conquested you, he gave you a choice. There's three choices. You can become a Muslim. You can pay taxes and have fewer rights. Or you can die. You've got to do one of the first two. So, so he did not force people at sword to become Muslim. That's kind of a misconception about the early Muslim countries. So if you are a Christian, you're still allowed to be Christian. You just had to heavy taxes to do. So you can see this idea of stinging, but, but not killing. It was not, I mean, there were certainly people that died in it, but there were people who died fighting against it. That, yes, there's a, there's typical wars and things like that, that happened, but he was not a, uh, a persecutor, like kind of some, sometimes the previous fights between 
Christians ended up more lethal than this. So the next one, uh, and the next one here, and it goes for five months. I want to talk about this five months. In Ezekiel, we get this interesting thing. We've, we've referred to it before where we compare a year to a day. Well, five months would then be what? Five months. It's 150 years. Right? Their months were 30 days approximately, just like ours. So we would be looking at 130 years of this conquesting period. Well, we started to scroll to the next one. We started in 612. That's his vision and starts gaining converts. We come to, that would bring us to what year? 762. In 762, after about 50 years of moving backwards, uh, Charles Martel defeated them. Their greatest advance, they actually got about an hour from Paris, the Muslims did. There was, there was a thought that they, had they beat Charles Martel, they would have taken all of Europe and England as well. They were very scared. Um, he actually defeated them at that battle because they had chariots. Uh, and, and Charles Martel had figured out that chariots were kind of unwieldy uh, if you had a good cavalry. And so in 762, they, they were pushed back and pushed back and pushed back until Charlemagne forced them back into uh, Asia and out of the European continent. And they established this city, which no longer exists. They don't even know where it is at. It is Baghdad. It was founded in 762, and they decided to pursue science, learning. They had only had an alphabet for about 60 years. So, so their science and math and calculus and, and all these things, they, they decided to pursue that. And this period is exactly to the year 150 years. That to me is interesting. All right, next one. We're going to move on, and I'm going to try to get to this. This is a little bit quicker. Um, Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. You can scroll to the next one. The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns on the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release four angels that are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for an hour a day, a month, a year, were released to kill a third of mankind. And the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. In your Bible, if you have an older one, it will say two times, or 10,000 times 10, twice 10,000 times 10,000. That's 200 million. Anyway, they've made it easy for us. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horse in the vision who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, or some might say sapphire, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of these horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. And these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed, the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths, for their power is in their mouths and their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and they, with them they do harm. This is kind of a weird one, isn't it? Uh, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, idols, gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor walk. And they did not repent of their works 
or their immorality or their thefts. All right, scroll one ahead. This is interesting. So we have angels. Uh, angels, if we've seen in Daniel. Remember in Daniel, we talked about angels and how angels are connected to political powers, right? The angel of Persia, right? And, and uh, Michael says, I am your angel. He's talking to the Jews. Uh, and and after I fight with the angel of Persia, the angel of, of Greece must come and I must fight with him. And, and, and there's this, this connection somehow of angels to political forces. So I believe if you scroll one ahead, that we are talking about some sort of national powers, four powers. And where are, where are they? Scroll one ahead. They are bound, first of all, so they're connected. The Great River, scroll one ahead. Um, can, uh, scroll again. And one more. Okay, so just click one more, and we're going to see where the river Euphrates is. That's the darker one. The Tigris uh, is the one that kind of parallels it. Uh, and so what's interesting is you, they eventually connect. But if you travel up the Euphrates a little bit, you come to a place where they are extremely close together. Can you click one? One more. And that is where they built Baghdad. The Tigris and the Euphrates are right next to each other. There's only, I think, like 15 or 20 miles that separates them. Uh, <clears throat> scroll one more. They have breastplate, but this one is what is noticed about it. It's, it's very colorful. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. One more. Uh, it's ornate. Again, one more. And horses. Who would have thunk it? We're talking about horses in the Middle East. Um, scroll one more. Um, and this one gives a more detailed picture of their cavalry, doesn't it? Uh, kind of weird uh, picture, and, uh, but we're going to see uh, why specifically. So one more. Um, we have four bound angels. And I want to talk about them first and, and, and kind of group them all together. Um, as... Baghdad has become a, a, they've become kind of a settled down people of peace, relatively. There's still wars, but they're not conquesting. There's another group that's coming west. They're coming west primarily because the Mongols are chasing them. Um, so, so we're going to not talk about the Mongols. Uh, but this group comes in. They're called the Seljuk Turks. If you want to uh, scroll that. Uh, and the Seljuk Turks uh, are going to move from... Eastern Iran. One more. They take Baghdad in the year 1055, and there's this little thing that happens. Uh, the, the guy, I forget his name. Um, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot his name. Tom Turndall or something like that. Anyway, not that important. But uh, there's a competition. His brother take or his uh, uh, foster brother takes it. Back. He has to fight. Scroll one more. Uh, he finally gets the city back around 1060, 1061. Uh, and after some period, he, he's going to die. He's going to have a successor, which is not his son. And they're going to fight. There's a lot of fighting, a lot of internal fighting. And his four grandsons are going to take it, and they're going to divide it. And it's going to be centered here in Baghdad. The new empire is centered in Baghdad. And they're going to kind of go in each direction. Uh, now, the yellow one is going to be severely limited by the Mongols. They're going to come in and invade. They'll actually eventually take 
um, take Baghdad. That's not really important to us. Um, scroll one more. <clears throat> they will eventually become known as the Ottomans in 1299. One of their generals from the purple area um, was uh, a place called uh, Rum, was the R-O-U-M. He becomes really popular and he unites these kind of under one heading, the Ottoman Turks. You ever heard of the Ottomans? They're going to be around till World War I. <laughs> this is amazing, uh, this group of people. And they are going to conquest. Um, so go more. Horse and armor. This is what they look like. Um, this is kind of a, a picture of their armor. We, the, the really ornate, the colorful. You get that idea. But if you're wondering how horses look like lions, look really fierce. They introduced, the Ottomans were the ones that introduced horse armor. Now, the Romans put leather over their horses, but they're the first ones that come up with the idea of, let's put armor, like actual armor. And some of these, some of these the headdresses, they actually looked like lions. I, I couldn't, uh, I was looking for a good picture of one, but they had like this thing that came out that was to, to prevent arrows. And it actually looked like a mane of a lion. It was kind of interesting. But um, a person in this time would understand this, would get the picture. And we're going to see that this is not just so God can show off. So look at me, I can predict this stuff. But there's all reasons for this. Okay, so scroll one more. We want to look at their conquest. This is where they would eventually reach at their greatest point, but that's much after the time period that we're talking about. We don't want to look at this particularly. So next one. Crusades. The Crusades were between the Ottomans and the Catholics, a period of like 200 or 300 years. Um, next one, were there 200 million soldiers all at once? No, that would be impossible. But over 300 years, that's quite possible. Uh, as hordes and hordes and hordes of these come um, from Iran and from Iraq and from Turkey, so next one, <clears throat> and one more, hour, the day, the month, and the year. Let's go back through our, what we just talked about in, in talking about uh, a, a months and what do all these things mean. Scroll to the next one. Want to do that? That's about 391 years and a little bit. Oh, that's interesting because we kind of have a starting point. Our, our guy, and I, I, I thought I wrote his name down, Togrel, there we are. Togrel got his city back uh, in about 1060. Uh, he, he strangled his stepbrother and spent the next year kind of putting down the remaining rebellion. And the year after that, in 1062, he goes and starts a the Euphrates River to conquer the West. That was what his goal was. As a year into it, and so his successor has to uh, finish that up. 1062, uh, you want to scroll one? And one more? One more. In 1453, Mehmed, which is the same name as Muhammad, by the way, uh, 
takes Constantinople. Yes, if you want to do the math, that's 391 years, give or take, right? Some months. Uh, when the Bible gives us these predictions, it's, it's accurate. It's amazing. This is not Nostradamus, like some sort of thing is going to something happen in Germany. I don't know, some bad thing. When God gives us predictions, they, they come true. One more. These are the walls. Imagine standing on these walls and thinking that this was impregnable. Because we have one more. Uh, if you want to, let's talk about horse smoke and because that doesn't sound like anything that I would, how do horses breathe smoke and fire? Well, we're going to look at something. Mehmed invents something. Well, he didn't. He hired somebody to invent something. Listen to this description. Cannon of Muhammad or Mehmed was, has been noticed. An important and invisible object in the history of times, but that enormous engine was flanked by two fellows almost of equal magnitude. You want to scroll one, we'll give you an idea of what this looked like. That's what it looked like. Um, the order of the Turkish artillery was pointed against the walls. 14 batteries thundered at once. And it is expressed that each one of these batteries had 130 guns cannons. Not necessarily this big, but this was the big one. Um, this was designed in Bulgaria for the siege of Constantinople. Prior to this, the world has not seen this. The world has just grown up today. This is the point. 1453 is the difference between all warfare prior to and all warfare since. Right? Castles are no longer important. Imagine standing on this and watching this. And as you see a 600-pound ball flying through the air towards your castle, you know that the world's a different place. This is the new normal. Right? Uh, and it, 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 it goes through their walls like plate glass. This is different. And you know that this city that stood for a thousand years, these walls that we saw, those were built around the year 400. They've stood, they, they've, the Huns haven't been able to do anything. The Goths haven't been able to do anything. The Mongols haven't been able to do anything, but it's all changed. As these smoke and this fire, as they cavalry pulls up and you're standing on the wall going tubes really mm, yeah i have no idea this is the first time in mankind's history that this has been used and it will change everything since then we've just been trying to figure out how to make them bigger and better so i want to fly this because he said, the rest of mankind, we're done with this. If you want to go to the next one here. The point of it all was, he says, they will still not repent. We saw that in Daniel. Of what? Their idolatry. 
the idolatry of the Catholic Church it has it's brought in all of the the idols and the the finger of John, which you can go to Istanbul and see if you wish. Yeah, I've seen. It's interesting. It's a bone. Uh, all these things that are supposed to do miracles, God says, it's all lying signs and wonders. And guess what? They're still not going to repent. It's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, and it did. You would have thought that that fall would have made people think. We talked about the seal. It's not going to kill the, those with the seal of God on their foreheads. Who are those with the seal of God on their foreheads? What does a seal do? Those wax seals, right? What does a seal do? It identifies you. Who identifies you? The owner of the seal. So it's, it's not what you think you are. It's what God thinks you are. And God says, these people are mine. You know why it didn't harm really? I mean, not that they didn't, weren't forced to pay taxes and things like that, but you know why it didn't really harm them? God's people weren't the ones in the crusades. God's people didn't care. They were underground. They were hiding from their own religious rulers and leaders. They were hiding in the hills and the Alps and, and various things like that. They weren't interested in fighting wars with Muslims. And so it largely avoided them today. And the same thing is true today. We get so caught up and there's a world around us that wants to pick a fight. And we can get caught up into the, the various causes. And there are some nice virtuous causes if we wish to be involved in those things. And it will draw attention to us. And God says, I'm really not interested in whether you can go see the temple in Jerusalem or John's finger in Turkey. I really don't care about that. Even if it is John's finger, I don't really. So what? It's a finger. Don't really care about that. And, and there are things today that, that it would be nice to have. You know, there, there would be things in society that I would change if I could. If I could just wave the magic wand. But we get up caught in these causes and confuse moral things for spiritual things. Right? It's easy to confuse the two. They were just as confused back then. They were just as convinced that these things were important. And in getting caught up in that, they attracted attention to themselves. I'm not saying lay low and hide in the Alps, but I'm saying if we're really interested in spiritual things, the world kind of doesn't pay much attention to you in the, in the sense that they, they, don't, they don't seek you out. They seek out the people who want to pick a fight. If we're interested in picking a fight, they'll, they'll be glad to. I'm not saying it won't be unpleasant at any point in time. But I just want to, to keep the application because that's what the application is here, is to use these things to, to repent of the, the things that have distracted us. And that's what he was hoping they would do. Uh, and it's certainly the same lesson, even if it's not about me. It's certainly a lesson that I can learn from. So we're going to close with that.